hate that count in. That it's yeah, that's annoying. All right, welcome to the first attempted non-official episode of the Snubbies. Yeah, this is welcome. Evan. This is Isaac, and Isaac might not be on every episode. No, I'm gonna try to be though. But I will be. Yeah. Well, you can do this from a remote location, right? Yeah. I mean, we can figure something out. Okay. So maybe he will be on every episode. Although, I don't know if you should be because you haven't seen any movies. Not, I mean, not as much as you have, but I don't think a lot of people have seen as many movies as you have. Well, when you have no life, you have to <laughs> fill it with something, so you got to watch movies. I guess so, man. I guess that's, uh, is that what you spend your time in college a lot doing? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Uh, and also, I had a dead-end job when I first moved to L.A., where I literally sat in front of a computer for... 10 hours a day Jeez. doing absolutely nothing except watching Netflix. So. That sounds horrible. Yeah, it gives you time to watch a lot of movies. So. Yeah, but, you know, I, oh. I mean, I guess if I'm going to watch movies, I'd want to do them not for, by circumstance. Well, I'd you're wanna, getting paid for it. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd want to do it because I want to watch that movie, not because well, I'm it was better to do it. It was either I watch the movies or I end up fake doing Actually work, working. which was... <laughs> I mean, I was working for a company that had no idea what they were doing. Yeah. So they were like, you're going to be our associate producer. I'm like, well, cool. What does that mean? And they were like, well, I don't really know. Just sit in that desk. Yeah. And I was like. And watch movies all day. This is the American dream, bud. Well, I mean, we will. Uh, we're going to attempt to talk about snubbies. And I think. Yeah. So the whole. Depends on what year we're talking about. Maybe I can contribute more than. Well, we can others. we can pick a year, but so anyways, the like I said, this isn't an official episode. This is just kind of a test run. But the premise of the show is to basically take awards away from movies that shouldn't have won them in the first place and yeah. reassign them to the proper movie, the more so, deserving movies. Yeah, exactly. So the one that always stands out, and this likely the first episode would be the 1998 Best Picture Oscar, which went to Shakespeare in Love when it very, very obviously should have gone to Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get more obvious than that, I don't think. Well, well, why do you think it went to Shakespeare in Love? Well, the Weinsteins bought the award. And, you know, that I know that sounds conspiracy theory, especially for people not in the industry who don't really know how the, you know, the award season campaign goes. But right. that's essentially what happened was Spielberg and Tom Hanks came out with a movie. And anytime they come out with a movie, you're like, well, this is going to be a best picture contender if not the yeah. winner where the Weinsteins came out and essentially just were like hey you can go for the movie which you think is going to win or you can go for the movie which you definitely enjoyed but probably wouldn't win any other year maybe you should give that a shot yeah and that's essentially what happened was they paid for this campaign which basically reminded people hey there are other movies out there other than Spielberg and Tom Hanks movies which any other year is fine, but Saving Private Ryan is going to go down as one of the greatest movies of all time, whereas Shakespeare in Love, I can't quote that movie yeah. like I can every other movie I've ever seen. True. Did did uh, did Spielberg win the directing Oscar that year? Yes, he did. So maybe they were like, well, we gave it to Spielberg. We, you know, we, it'll be okay yeah. if, we give it, if we don't give him. But you know what? Then it starts falling, and it's funny because I'm definitely going to catch myself in, in a little bit of hypocrisy here. It's, it's hard to give a movie... It's hard to give a best director Oscar and not give it to the not give the best picture to that same movie. Yeah, what, well, I mean, wh then why do they have them separated, right? Well, touche. I mean, the I'll tell you the the person who's benefited more from this than anybody is Ang Lee, 
where he won Best Director for Brokeback Mountain and Life of Pi, mm-hmm. but those movies did not win Best Picture. Well, what about this? What about actors who win Best Actor, and let's say Best Leading Actor Male and Best Leading Actor Female, they both win for the same movie, but the director doesn't win. Does that make sense to you? It does. There's just so much more to directing than than two actors, and I, I know that kind of goes without saying. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of a an example where I mean, we'll think of any movie where the acting is so amazing, but the rest of the movie you just don't give a shit about. Yeah. Um. I mean, look at look at a movie like Cold Mountain, where you had Nicole Kidman. I'm assuming you probably didn't see that. I did not see that. Yeah. Don't waste your time. <laughs> the acting, Nicole Kidman and Renee Zellweger. I believe I'll have to go back and double check this. I'll put this in errors and omissions, but I believe they both won. Uh, the Oscars that year, Best Actress and Best uh, Supporting Actress, where their performances were amazing, mm-hmm. but the movie itself was very forgettable. Yeah. So what I take away from that is, yes, Cold Mountain is a good movie because of the acting, but the story I don't care about. Yeah. You know, it, it, there's just so much more in terms of, of pacing, in terms of how to tell a story that you can only have actors go so far on. True, true. So, but you know, but directing actors is a big thing. It as is well. a big thing, and and you know, and I think, it, and I think we were talking about it just because I just recently seen it. But the first Star Wars, um, New Hope, Can we, wait, was wait, 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 probably for, for the for the audience members out there. Isaac, how old are you? I'm a uh, 34. What year were you born in? 81. Can you repeat what you just said about 30 seconds ago? Yeah, that I had not seen any of the Star Wars. Up until this year, and that was on, and that, and the only reason I even watched them was because I've heard of the new one that that just came out. <laughs> You've heard of the new one. I I don't think it's possible to take a step outside and not be bombarded <laughs> by at least a hundred ad campaigns. Well, Disney, man, they do it right. Disney does do it right. I, and I was just at Disneyland, and they have they turned Tomorrowland into Star Wars Land, which is fantastic. And uh, and it's you know they did an awesome job with it, but they're actually building a. You know, a you know, it's funny, Land. and not to get into a political thing, but you know, everyone always harps on like these giant corporations. These giant machines, which Disney has, Disney has Disney. They have Marvel. They mm-hmm. have Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They have everything. Yeah. So, for all Pixar the, and Pixar, exactly. So, for a company that essentially owns ninety percent of Hollywood, yeah. you'd think people would be like, "Screw Disney!" Like right, they're right. they're taking over everything. But they're so damn good at they're, what they yeah, do. They're really good at what they do. Yeah. But um, but not to get too far off the topic here, I'm 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 only mentioning the first Star Wars because. Besides probably Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, the rest of the acting was not great. And I attribute that to George Lucas, who was probably not even paying attention to the acting. He was worried about the technical stuff. Well, the, which, thing, you know, the thing that's funny, and I always, I always point this out to a lot of people who don't really have a lot of Lucas knowledge, is mm-hmm. that the first movie he's ever credited with is THX 1138, which right. was his student thesis project from right. USC. I am not a USC fan, by the way. <laughs> um, so... When you go and watch that movie, it's highly stylized, but very drab, very dull. It's a slow burn. Yeah. I enjoy a slow burn. THX, THX 1138 was still very hard to sit through. Yeah. So get past his, quote, student movie, unquote, and his first movie that he's really credited with is American Graffiti. Right. Now, a lot of people, I'm assuming you haven't seen American I've Graffiti. I have not seen American Graffiti. Don't waste your time. Um, a lot of people think American Graffiti is this amazing voice of a generation 
um, like this, this is what it was on a typical Saturday night in, in rural America. Right. Um, I grew up in rural America. I grew up in the woods of New Hampshire. Yeah. Okay. No. I mean, I, I know it was a different generation, but no. Um, the only good thing about American graffiti, and people will say it's the soundtrack, it's the cars, it's the, the American graffiti is a great movie. It's not. It's a horrible movie, and it's because George Lucas is a bad is a bad director. Yeah. The only thing that you can pull positively out of American graffiti is that it introduced to the world Harrison Ford. Okay. Because from American graffiti, George Lucas told Steven Spielberg to cast Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones, which was. Right, it's history there, right? Well, oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's Han Solo. He's Indiana Jones. I mean, yeah. he is, Harrison Ford, I think, up until 10, 15 years ago, and this is because of inflation, held the record as the the one actor whose movies have grossed the most amount of money. The most bankable actor. Exactly. And it's it's impossible to deny that when you are the face of two, arguably the two largest franchises in cinematic history. Right, right. So... And and all right. So then, what went what went what went wrong with the last indie? Um, if the whole team was back, Spielberg's directing. Well, he did. And that's what I'm saying. The whole team's back. Oh, so what went wrong? With what that? went wrong? Um, they tried to get too cutesy. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone can point to the the jungle swinging scene with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. About just how over the top ridiculous it was, but. Um, a lot of people had problem with. And spoiler alert: if you don't want to hear what Indiana Jones 4 is about, skip the next two minutes on your <laughs> on your iPod there. Uh, so, spoilers starting now. Indiana Jones 4 is about aliens. And that's the reveal at the end, okay? So, the problem is people don't want aliens. They want the, uh, like, the religious aspect yeah, of yeah. it. Where, shit, I didn't run a timer on how long <laughs> the spoiler's gonna go for. Let, let's go really quick. Indiana, Indiana Jones 1 mm-hmm. was... Uh, what are we doing here? No, go ahead. Just keep going. Okay. Indiana Jones 1 was about the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah. So it was a religious thing. The second one was the Temple of Doom had voodoo aspect to it. The uh-huh. third one circled back to uh, the Christ element to it, which right. was um, uh, the uh, Last Crusade. The thing is, and Indiana Jones was about aliens. 1970s. Aliens. <laughs> All right. So no more spoilers. Um, the thing that made sense about why Indiana Jones 4 was about that was because when the when each Indiana Jones took place, the big thing that was going on is what it focused on. So Indiana Jones one was about the Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. There was a you know nineteen I believe it took place in like I have to go back and look. I want to say like somewhere between the thirties and fifties. Huge religious boom in the country at that mm-hmm. point. Okay, plus you had World War Two going on, all that stuff. Lot, you know, a lot of a lot of church going folks. So yep. we, let's focus on on a church thing. Let's focus on uh, you know an like, iconic religious symbol. Uh, after that, Temple of Doom, you get into voodoo. You know, you're, you're starting to branch out into more world religions. There's more of a there's more of an interest in it. People want to learn about it. So you have that circle back to the Christ thing because around then, uh, around the 19 uh, you know late 50s, mid 60s or so. The country was very much uh, MacArthurism. If you're not a God-fearing citizen, you're a commie. So, back to it. Right. Once you get into the '70s, the and I don't want to say spoiler again. Once you get into the '70s, well, that's what the country was obsessed with: was these uh, things, these yes. events that were happening. And so, when you have an Indiana Jones movie that takes place in the '70s, 
you have to focus on what the country was all, I don't want to say up in arms about, but what they were kind of blowing their wads about. Yeah. And that's what it was. So people that have a problem with Indiana Jones being about what it is aren't really acknowledging that Indiana Jones is just, it's a metaphor for the decade that the story takes place in. And that's it. Yeah. And that's basically it. So what went wrong with it? Um, the story is what a lot of people point to. I personally think was you're trying to make a 1980s franchise movie in the new millennium. And sorry, but the movie going audience doesn't care anymore. They, yeah. You either need to be so nostalgic and go back to what made it great. Or you just need to completely abandon that and just go, hey, this is an update. Now, when you look at Star Wars Episode Seven, you look at what J.J. Abrams did. The camera angles are different. Yeah. The camera work's different. The you know It's a lot edgier because that's J.J. And that's great. So when you see Episode Seven, you can, see, you can definitely tell that it's way off from what Star Wars was visually. Right. But it's still damn good. Yeah. So. No, I, no, I get it. And you pointed – or you yeah, you pointed out – that story was a big thing that with Indy Four, um, and who was involved with the story? George Lucas. Yeah, I mean the man can't tell a story to save his life. <laughs> well, not that he needs to. He's one of the richest filmmakers in the world, but right. he's not one of the richest filmmakers in the world because of his storytelling. It's because of his tech. Yeah. I mean between uh, between George Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic, which was a company that he kind of dabbed in a little bit. Right. Um, so I, you know, there was Lucasfilm, there was Industrial Light and Magic, which was Cameron's baby. Between those two guys, we now live in a world where Lord of the Rings can happen. You know, a yeah. lot of people give Lord of the Rings crap. I mean, the Hobbit movies were atrocious, but, you know, go back to the Lord of the Rings. You had armies of goblins and, and everything, and no one ever for one second was like, eh, that doesn't look real. Right, right. You know, we're we're at a point, and I give, I give more credit to um, – to Stan Winston for developing a lot of this visual and everything. He didn't, he didn't necessarily develop the tech, but he had the visualization. Mm-hmm. Um, but between Lucas's tech, Stan Winston's vision and James Cameron's just a, ability to just show you crazy shit. Right. Um, you know, between those three guys and Spielberg, obviously it's definitely, we're at an age where the, you can't not see anything you want at this point. So. Okay. Well, let's go back to uh, the snubbies. And nice, and, uh, nice way to circle around. And saving Private Ryan, <laughs> uh, you know, not winning. Um, who else was nominated in that category? Well, I know? think we got a. Actually, you know what? Here, keep the show going. I'll go grab my my book that has all the nominees. So while he goes and grabs his book, um, we uh, can talk about just just also directors that have that haven't gotten their their due, quote unquote. Um, from the Academy for a long time. And the big one was Scorsese, right? And uh, everybody's saying he should have won for Goodfellas back in 91. Um, And then it took That'll be its own episode, but I mean, yeah, I can, I have my Academy, official Academy Awards handbook. There you go. It just makes it so much easier than typing and looking up stuff online. Right. All right, so 19, all right, let's let's talk about 1998. Like I said, this isn't an official episode, but maybe it is, who cares? So... 1998, which when we say 1998, the year that these movies came out was 1997. Right. So I'm out of breath from just walking across the room. That's, that's not that's good. That's pretty sad. That's not good. Okay. It wasn't even across the room. It was literally <laughs> five steps. 
I also have a cold. I'm battling a cold. That's my excuse. <laughs> All right. So the year is 1997. The award year is 1998. Uh, so these are the nominees for Best Picture. You have Shakespeare in Love, which beat out these other four. Elizabeth, mm-hmm. The Thin Red Line, Life is Beautiful, mm-hmm. and Saving Private Ryan. And uh, what's his name? One for Life is Beautiful Directing, right? Uh, no, Spielberg won for Saving Private Ryan. Then um, We already touched on that. That's right. But Jackass. he – was this the – is this the year that he went crazy? Um, what's his name? The Benini? Yeah, Roberto, yeah. yeah, so Roberto, Roberto Benini, he, well, he won for Best Actor. That was, Actors, the, that was okay. the big thing. It also won uh, Best Foreign Film. And where's the screenplays? It didn't win screenplay. So Shakespeare in Love won uh, original screenplay. Which, Are you okay with that? Uh, you know what? This one doesn't give me the other nominations. It just has the the top five. I'd have to go back and look. I'm I'm not okay because I don't think Shakespeare in Love is a great movie. I okay. I think if all the fanfare dies down about it, I would be okay with saying it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't really like her in anything that she she carries. Yeah, Ben Affleck is the best part of that movie, which says a lot. Yeah, right. and I like Ben. Affleck. I'm a Ben Affleck guy. Yeah. But when did but, you become a Ben Affleck guy? Well, being a Boston fan, I've always been a Ben Affleck. I've okay. been a Ben Affleck guy since Mallrats. Okay. So that goes pretty far back. Yeah, it does go far back. Um, so what were we, which one were we talking about? We're, so Life Benini, yeah. yeah, Benini won uh, Best Actor, which he should have. Have you seen Life is Beautiful? Um, no, I, I haven't seen it yet. It is I, – I can imagine a bunch of people sitting around a table and Roberto Benini's there. And someone says – I'll bet you it's impossible to make a heartfelt comedy about the Holocaust. Right. And he goes, challenge accepted. <laughs> I mean, it, anyone who's seen Life is Beautiful knows that movie has more heart and more laughs in it. And given the situation that it's based on, mm-hmm. is shocking that you can pull that off. Right. And it is. And I don't want to spoil anything for you because you really need to see it. Yeah. But it is... Um, I mean, for anyone who's seen it, you, they know. It's just, you you hear that movie, you're like, I love that movie, but man, yeah, that just takes a lot out of you. Yeah. So it's, uh, I highly recommend it. I think okay. Roberto Benini, who he was also up against, I mean, listen, listen. Ooh, I just saw who probably should have won. I don't disagree that Benini should have won, but this is who he was up against. Tom Hanks for Saving Private Ryan, Ian McKellen for Gods and Monsters, Nick Nolte for Affliction, Ready for this one? Mm-hmm. Ed Norton and American History X. Oh well, wow. a lot of people didn't like American History X. So who? That's, I, I think it, maybe it was just a controversy behind it because the director. Oh Ed yeah, Norton was like an asshole or something about um, it or some. Interesting story. So I worked on a movie with Edward Furlong, Eddie mm-hmm. Furlong. Yeah. Um, who everybody knows in American History X as Ed Norton's brother. He's also John Connor in Terminator Two. Right. Um, worked on this. I don't know if I want to say good or bad movie. I worked on a movie with him called Stitch. Um, and I actually asked him about American History X. And he was like, you know, well, I should say allegedly. Yeah. This is coming from me, not him. <laughs> it's just like fourth person removed. Um, you know, he said that Ed Norton really didn't listen to the director at all. There were numerous times where he was pulled aside by Norton and was like, hey, man, like, I know it's better. I know it's best for this movie. Do this in this scene. Don't listen to what the director's telling you and all wow. that. Which, you know, from all the rumors going around that Ed Norton essentially directed the movie, um, you can't really watch the movie and say, this is Ed Norton and this is the actual director. Yeah. 
I think what a lot of people will acknowledge is that American History X is a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely phenomenal. It does uh, wear down a little bit over time, mm-hmm. but not to the point where it's distracting by any means. Right. But that is that is just a solid, solid movie. So um, so that's who, who you believe should have won. If Benini didn't win, it definitely should have been Ed Norton. Okay. Absolutely. I think when all said and done, when Ed Norton's career is over, um, and not that I want it to be over, I think, I think he has a lot to offer in yeah. Hollywood, even even today, despite the Incredible Hulk. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think he'll always be remembered for American History X. If you had to pick one, sure, that or Fight Club. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but Benini ended up winning, and it's it's really really hard to to disagree with that. I mean, like I said, shit, he, he made a comedy, a heartfelt comedy about the Holocaust. Go to a. 91 and um who was was Scorsese nominated for directing and was Goodfellas nominated for best film I'm I'm actually it was either 90 or 91 okay oh so um okay so the award year was 1990 so it came out in 89 89 was the year okay uh, so what's your question? Uh, who was, what category or what films were in best film? Okay, so nominated along with Goodfellas for best picture that year was The Godfather Part Three, <laughs> uh, Ghost, solid, Dances with Wolves and Awakenings. So Costner won for Dances with Wolves directing and the and picture and correct. picture. Yep. Very rarely does picture and director not go hand in hand. Yeah. Very rarely. So. The, this is a year that wasn't an exception. Okay, but this is going to be its own episode later. I think you have to because <laughs> it's definitely hard to disagree that Goodfellas should have won, but Awakenings is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I friggin' love that movie, and I mean that that is the one movie that can make me cry more than anything else. And I'm a crier at movies, man. Like I'll So am I. I, I you know, I don't I freely admit, you know. Well, it's, I love I love these macho jackasses that are like, "Oh, you don't cry at movies." It's like they're designed to make you cry. Yeah, just yeah, just let it point. in. That's just the let point it in. Who of cares? the movie to evoke emotion. It's like, do I go to like It's like saying I don't laugh at comedies. Exactly. Well, I was trying to try like, do I go and watch Ace Ventura and be like, "I'm not going to laugh at this." I'm like, right. "No, I'm going to laugh my ass off." Right. I mean, he's he's talking through his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to laugh. You're already <laughs> laughing and just I just said it. We are not even watching the movie. No, but yeah, I I think um I think the last movie I, I like teared up at was uh, Inside Out. Did you watch that? I did. Um, which one, which scene? Bing Bong. Uh, Bing Bong, and yeah. uh, when um, she breaks down after coming back after running away. Yeah, yeah, that scene definitely tugged at the heartstrings a little yeah. bit. But um, but yeah, I mean Pixar, you know, does it again. But yeah, it, they flopped with the good dinosaur though. I didn't see that. Did you I, watch it? I haven't seen it yet. Everything that I've heard, people are like. Dude, not their best. Pixar miss. They're well. They're comparing it to Cars too, where they're like, "This might be the worst one they've done." Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I heard I heard good things about Inside Out. I watched it on the plane, and yeah. uh, you know, actually, it, it's funny you mention that because there's uh, there's another pod. I know you're not supposed to mention other podcasts, but screw it. Um, and my favorite podcast that I listen to is the Film Vault, and mm-hmm. uh, Anderson Cowan and Brian Bishop do that one, and they actually discussed at one point about how. Studies show if you watch a movie at elevated levels, like atmospheric levels, mm-hmm. your emotions are more heightened. 
What do you mean elevated? Like literally? If you watch a movie on a plane, you're more uh, apt to cry at a movie. Really? Yeah. Huh. So it's, uh, I mean, the study isn't about like watching movies. Sure, sure. It's about like your emotional state at higher altitudes huh, and it is more fragile. So I, uh, what the hell movie was I watching? I was watching a movie uh, when I was coming back from my honeymoon and I was bawling my eyes out. Like, <laughs> like nobody look at me, please don't look at me. And like the, just then the stewardess is coming around the corner with a drink. She's like, what do you want for a drink? I'm like, get the fuck away from me. <laughs> I was crying so hard. The hell was I watching? Shit. I'm sure it'll come to you. Damn, it's going to drive me nuts. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you, man. I don't understand these guys that are like, I don't cry at movies. You know, I don't. They have no soul. I don't laugh at movies. You know, well, I'm, well laughing isn't considered not macho. But, yeah, just because you tear up a little bit, it's like, so what? You know, that's what a movie's supposed yeah. to do. Yeah. We'll have to do, uh, we'll have to do a list episode and do, like, top five movies that make you cry. Yeah, well, I, I, one of the the, um, and I, I think you'll agree with this, but on TV, yeah, I've even cried at TV shows. The, the, the biggest thing that makes me cry is Fresh Prince of Bel Air, oh, where his dad dude. leaves okay. and doesn't come back. All right, Phil. all right, all right. <laughs> I know this. Is, I, I know this is a film podcast. This is this is my favorite question. I like to ask people. Yep. Which is the sadder moment in TV history? Is it when Winnie Cooper breaks up with Kevin Arnold at the bus stop? On the Wonder Years. Right. Or is it when Will Smith's father abandons him for the second time on Fresh Prince? For me, it's Fresh Prince. And, that, and that's only because and that's only because that that was my um, – I, I guess I grew up watching Fresh Prince. Wonder Years, I watched in syndication. I love it. Don't get me wrong. Love Wonder Years. And uh, there's a – do you watch the Goldbergs? No. That's almost like the, the new Wonder Years. I watched the Goldbergs on the plane. I, I never had any interest. The marketing has been awful for it, which – it's on. I think it's on like ABC or something. But, um, but I watched it on the plane, and the episode was actually pretty funny. It's like a new, it's like a new Wonder Years. It's hmm. it's it's um, you know, it's not bad. And Jeff Garland is hilarious in it. Really quickly before we get back on movies, we talk about TV shows that make you cry. Yeah, you got to watch Derek on Netflix. Oh, is that with the uh, Ricky, Ricky Gervais? It, he plays a kid. Uh, a kid, a kid. Jesus Christ. He <laughs> plays. He plays um, a retirement home volunteer mm-hmm. with uh i don't know if they consider it asperger's definitely some form of autism though okay. uh, I, I and you know i i apologize ahead of time i don't know what technically asperger's is because yeah. i i've said asperger's before like that's not asperger's that's autism and then i'll say okay it's autism that's not autism that's asperger's I'm like right. I'm pretty sure i thought we agreed a couple of years ago <laughs> that it was the same not the exact same thing but it was on the spectrum but whatever See, well my thing like i think i tried to watch the first episode of that and I couldn't get through it. Maybe because I was expecting something else. I mean, I don't know. Um, if you're going to watch it, I recommend, and I apologize to the British people that, like the one British person that'll listen to this episode, <laughs> I recommend watching it with uh, closed caption on. Okay. And it's not, well, it's great. It is. It's because it's difficult to understand them. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be if he used his mouth to enunciate. Yeah. But the character doesn't. Right. So it is very difficult, and especially when there's people talking over each other, it's very difficult to understand what he's saying because he has a lot of idiosyncrasies that deal with kind of stunting his own language. Right. right. So, uh, okay. Highly recommend Derek. Bring the tissues and put the closed caption on. So back to uh, back to movies. Back to movies. Let's go back to uh, Shakespeare in Love. Oh God, I can't stand this movie. 
like I said, it's like I said, it's a good movie, but the fact that it won Best Picture and it got all these awards, I don't like it because of that. Because they weren't well deserved. I feel like there's a quota that needs to be met, and it's so far beyond what it is that I need to be the jackass that reigns it in. So yeah. it's like people are like, oh, I love Shakespeare in Love. Be like, Shakespeare in Love sucks. Get over it. <laughs> but it it doesn't suck. It's just it's so not great. Yeah. And I know that's a weird way to say it, but it's so true. Um, so let's let's go over the nominees. So Elizabeth, did you see Elizabeth? No, don't have to. Um, I mean it's it's a period piece movie. It's you have Shakespeare in Love and Elizabeth coming out the same year. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth is the better movie because more and sorry if anybody worked on Shakespeare in Love, more effort went into Elizabeth than Shakespeare in Love. Yeah, it they really did. The costumes were a lot better. The set design was a lot better. The story was a lot better. Okay. There was the better movie. Right. Um, I hate to say that any movie, there was no effort behind it, because even The Room had effort behind it. <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> Might have been misguided. Right. <laughs> but if you guys haven't seen The Room, do yourselves a favor. Find a midnight screening and go check it out. Yeah. You would definitely have to go to the theater. You, yeah. d- you can't just pop in a DVD. It's not going to be the same thing. No. I, I worked with the DP of uh of the room yeah you told me this <laughs> he, he didn't want to admit that he was the the director of photography but after he finally admitted to it he was telling me some crazy shit on that on that set and it's just that's well, one of the it's one of those stories you feel bad about the people that work on it because it was i mean a madman directed that movie right well i mean they got they have a movie coming out about it yeah that's right I forgot with about that. uh james franco oh he's gonna be perfect yeah so um you know so i'm looking forward to that but uh but yeah, I think the last time I saw it was actually with you, down in uh, down in Westwood. Yeah, and um, and it's it, and I've seen it I think three times now uh, in the theater, and it's it's an experience. I call it the best movie going experience I've ever had. Oh, it, I'd be hard pressed to find any example to disagree with. I yeah. mean, I went into it not seeing it once. Isaac brought me out to the <laughs> movie. And he said, "Just show up and bring a bag of plastic spoons." Yeah, plastic spoons. That's it. And, and and I and I think I, I don't think I asked you to bring a football, but no, but I kind of wish I did. Yeah, and, and but I didn't. I didn't know. I had no idea. No, and then I think once you see it a couple of times, it it just gets more fun because yeah. you know what parts are coming up, you know what the gags are, you know yeah. when to throw spoons, you know when to throw the football around. Yeah, it's a it, it's just a good time. And for for anyone who hasn't seen it, don't do any research on this movie. Right. Don't see it and don't look because like there's. There's unofficial slash official rules for watching this movie. Right, right. Don't read up on it because I went in completely blind, not knowing what to expect. Holy shit, was it fun? <laughs> it was the best. Yeah, and I think that's the right way to do right right way to do it. Yeah. Um, All right. So um, next movie up, Life is Beautiful. Uh, we just talked about Roberto Benigni and how yep. amazing his performance was, how amazing the movie was. I think of these five. I think, you know, if you if we're going to take the award away from Shakespeare in Love, I think Life is Beautiful is the first nominee to throw up there. Well, I, th- I thought the whole point was Saving Private Ryan. Well, spoiler alert, that's essentially what we're going to settle on because because <laughs> Saving Private Ryan is just one of the best movies of all time. It's okay, right. So, if we're just going down this list that I have in front of me, Life is Beautiful would be the first, the first nominee. One, yeah. yeah. Uh, which brings me next on the list, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, I mean, there there are American Film Institute lists out there. There are Empire Magazine lists. There right. are Entertainment Weekly lists. Right. Every single Best Picture of All Time list has Saving Private Ryan on their list. Right. How the hell did it not win Best Picture? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we know how because the Weinstein's bought the award essentially with their campaign. But I mean, geez, it's got Vin Diesel in it. It does. I just it's got Ted Danson in it. Your buddy. Yeah. yeah, he did. Yeah, it's got Ted in it. <laughs> I mean, it, Tom Sizemore, Giovanni Ribisi. Sizemore, who, just, who I just actually recently worked with, and uh, was actually a pleasure. I like Tom, man. I, <laughs> I worked with him in Mexico. He was on our shoot for a day. Yeah, same here. Just a day. Actually, no, he came back the next day. Did he really? We had him booked tw- uh, for one day, and he liked the uh, the crew so much nice. that he was like, you know what? I'll come back tomorrow to nice. give, give you guys these shots. I like him, man. He's got, he's got some crazy fucking stories to tell, but, yeah. I mean, he's just because – I mean, he's sober now. Mm-hmm. But just because someone's sober doesn't mean they're not crazy. Right. I think Tom Sizemore is certifiable. Right. <laughs> that being said, I like working with him. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Yeah. And, uh, of course, I got some stories I actually can't tell because <laughs> I have a non-disclosure agreement I had to sign. <laughs> I'll share those off the air. So uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving right? Private Right. So right now it's between Life is Beautiful and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Um, the Thin Red Line. Have you seen Thin Red Line? Um. I don't remember. Directed by Terrence Malick. Um, I don't like Terrence Malick movies. Well, he did the uh, what's the, the 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 most recent one that everybody's like was like blowing their wad over and like and people were tree like, of life, tree of love. Yeah, yeah. They were saying that okay, that some people were like it's brilliant and other people were like it sucked or I don't get it. I am so far on the it sucks side. Yeah, that I think I'm the captain for the team. <laughs> I mean that. Anyone who says they like that movie mm-hmm. is a damn dirty hipster. You know what's funny is that uh, one of the guys that <coughs> actually I worked with, he's a director, and a young guy, um, I met him through some some mutual friends, and I did some editing for him. And he and this was around the time that that movie had come out in the theaters, and he, and he just came in raving about it. And it's funny that you're you, you know, you're, you're calling him a hipster because he, he had all the sort of attributes that Bing. a hipster would have. Nail on the head. <laughs> it, I got a buddy, my my buddy Mitch, who I I love Mitch. Anyone would say he's he's a hipster, but he's kind of like he's kind of the trendsetter for hipsters. Yeah, he doesn't follow in anybody's footsteps, but people see him and they mimic him. So <laughs> I like him because he's original, but he's setting a very horrible trend at the same time. So I love him and I hate him. Okay, per- so th- personally, I love him. So Thin Red Line, Thin is Red Line, not he well, he's he's obsessed with Terrence Malick. Anything he does is God's gift to Earth. Right. That being said, hate Terrence Malick movies. The Thin Red Line is his best movie, and yeah. the Thin Red Line is a pretty damn good movie. That Did, be- do you think it hurt it because it, it it's a war movie, right? Yeah. So do you think it hurt it because it was a war movie and you had Saving Private Ryan out there? Um, very possible. I think that's that's a probably damn damn good. Uh, Analysis? Yeah. I was gonna say analysis. I was just waiting um, for it to come to you. Yeah, sorry, my bad. <laughs> um, Observation. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's that's actually probably spot on. You yeah. know, if, if I'm faced between two war movies, it's like, well, I'm gonna go with the better one. Saving Private Ryan, obviously the better movie. Yeah. Um, I think if you put Thin Red Line in any other year, it's still not gonna win. So. Would you call it a solid contender? Uh, for this year. No, I mean any other year. Oh, uh, I, I think it would get it would still get a nomination for any other year. Okay, but it's kind of like look at look at District Nine when it was nominated for Best yeah. Picture. Yeah, people were literally like, "Awesome, District Nine got nominated." No one in their right mind thought it was the Best Picture that year. Right. 
Not a single one. Right. Even me. I'm sitting there going, wow, District 9 was awesome. And it's the Best Picture nominee. That's awesome. Zero chance in hell it wins. Right. Well, that's actually a good point because they're um, this year they're talking about blockbusters, a blockbuster possibly winning Best Picture um, with Mad Max leading the, the crowd. Mad Max, in my opinion, is the best movie of this year. Okay, because it's going to be up against The Revenant. It's going to be up against probably Hateful Eight, maybe. Um, I, I don't think Quentin Tarantino ever doesn't get nominated. Right, at, at least for screenplay, right? And, well, um, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and it might even be up against Star Wars. Star Wars, um, see, this is interesting because people are going apeshit over Star Wars, but yeah. Mad Max was better. And I, if you're going to pick one blockbuster to go up there, yeah. not that you have to. Right. I don't think you should limit the nominees just because it's a blockbuster. Right, right. But Mad Max, for those who haven't seen it, non-spoiler, it's a two-plus-hour-long chase scene. That's it. <laughs> and I heard it just doesn't stop from the beginning. They stop to turn around. <laughs> it's a It's a remake, right? No, it's a sequel. It's a sequel. Okay. It is the fourth installment in the Mad Max franchise. Okay. It I, goes goes it goes Mad Max, The Road Warrior, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and now Fury Road. Because I actually am upset at myself because I planned on seeing this film in the theater and I didn't get a chance to. So now I'm waiting for it to come out, you know, on DVD or whatever so I can check it out. But it's I already out. If it is, then it's been out for a while. Okay, yeah. then I, I need to go see it. I just haven't been in yeah. the country long enough. But um yeah, I I'm need Isaac. to see. It. I go all over the place. <laughs> I'm a globe, globe trotter. But uh, I heard, I heard, I heard nothing but great things, and everybody that saw it loved it. And yeah. so, um, it's um, there is a certain amount of campiness to it. Yeah, but I think that's what, and not in the sense that like you would never nominate like Evil Dead for a Best Picture, and right. that's that's to me that's the epitome of campy, which right. I love. Don't get me wrong, but the. Um, the acting in Mad Max is definitely over the top, uh, but the characters are so damn good. Yeah. And this is without a doubt, and this is a topic for a whole another podcast, but uh, this is the year of feminist movies. And Mad Max kind of set that bar. Yeah. Because the movie isn't about Mad Max. It's about Furiosa, who's played by Charlize Theron. Okay. Um, and then you look at movies like Star Wars who, for those who haven't seen it yet, not non-spoiler at all, but yeah. it, the lead is a female. Right. And right. The, between Charlize Theron and, uh, I can't remember her name, she's not a household name yet, and I apologize, um, they carried a gigantic franchise on yeah. both their backs, and they did yeah. it flawlessly. Yeah. So, more power to them. Um, so, anyway, so those are those were the five that were nominated. Um, just scanning the rest of the movies that came out that year that weren't even nominated because this is when uh, Best Picture Awards were limited to five nominees. Right. You also had A Simple Plan uh, with Billy Bob Thornton, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, not sure if it should have gotten a nominee uh, nomination, but it's still a great movie. Uh, and we already talked about it. Um, American History X. Yeah. Um, I would go so far as to say if any single movie was going and this is this is all hindsight. All yeah, hindsight. Of course. I think if any other movie is going to challenge Shaving Private Ryan for this award, it's gonna be American History X. Maybe Life is Beautiful. 
Yeah. But, um, I mean, that's... I think if we redo the nominees, I think it just comes down to three. It comes down to Saving Private Ryan, American History, Action Life is Beautiful. Yeah. So, that's... Uh, that's the list. Um, I think based on that, anyone would be stupid not to give it to Saving, Saving Private Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. So... Uh, but like I said, maybe they... And maybe I said this off um, off the podcast, but um, they gave the directing to Spielberg. And so they yeah. probably thought, you know, that, which, that's appease them with this award. Which I don't like. Um, I hate that reasoning. And so I, I worked on The Artist, as you know. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, for my listeners, humble brag, um, I was the key production assistant on The Artist when it came out. Um, <laughs> like, my title changed after right, the fact. Right. No. Um, the thing that drove me nuts about that award year, uh, I mean, obviously I was pulling for the artist yeah. because I was completely biased. Right. But I would like to think that if even if I wasn't completely biased, I think the film fan of me still would have enjoyed the artist to the point where I was hoping it was going to win. Yeah. Do you remember the other movie that was up against that was kind of cleaning house along with the artist? Um, no, not off the top of my head. Scorsese. Departed? Hugo. Hugo. Did you see Hugo? I did not see Hugo. Don't. It's crap. I did not it's, see Hugo. It, I, I'm just going to apologize from now until the end of time for all the movies that I say are crap. But <laughs> um, I kept waiting for Hugo to be good, and it just wasn't. It yeah. never was. Um, I was just staring at the screen going, the visuals aren't good enough to keep me intrigued. Yeah. There's no story behind this. The acting is meh. Right. And I'm just sitting there going, what the fuck was Scorsese thinking making this? Right. This right. Is, I think if Zemeckis had made that movie, it might have been a little bit better. To me, it's kind of like, and I know it's completely different circumstances. It's like Spielberg directing AI. That was okay. a Stanley Kubrick movie from the get-go. Yeah. Once Kubrick died, Spielberg took over. Right. Um, actually, I think Spielberg took over shortly before Kubrick died. I think Kubrick became a producer, stepped out of the director's seat. Regardless, um, it was a movie that was directed by the wrong guy. Yeah. Uh, I think we got robbed that year by not having another Scorsese gangster movie. Right. Because right. I'll never get tired of those. Uh, I mean, that's, that's what he's good at. Exactly. You know? I, I mean, mean I, and, and while I did enjoy Wolf of Wall Street, it wasn't one of his best. See, I, I liked Wolf of Wall Street, though. I think it was I a little did. too over the top for me. And, and I know that's what the story was, and that's what the character was and all of that stuff. But, um, but I don't know. I think I wanted a little bit more, uh, a little bit more story than, than sort of like gratuitous scenes. Yeah. There was a lot of gratuitous scenes in that movie. Have you seen the big short? Yeah. I just, I just saw that the other day. Oh, that's right. Personally, when I was watching the big short, I kept thinking, I like this better when it was called Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> um, I guess I could see some similarities. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's about banking, but it's also about, you know, young guys that are cheating the system. Right. So not that the guys in short term, not that the main guys in short term were cheating the system. They were taking advantage of a cheated system. Right. Right. Uh, which, you know, more power to them. But second time I've said that, I hate that term. I don't know what the yeah, fuck I'm saying for. You know, it's not it's not the best term. No, my bad. Um, <laughs> so. Wolf of Wall Street. Was I like how a, you're staring at the DVD. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. It's the one yellow case that I have next to Contagion, which is another awesome fucking movie. Uh, and Hot Tub Time Machine. And Knocked Up. And Rope. 
those are all yellow cases. Yeah, Rope is a great movie. And the entire seasons of It's Always Sunny. Hey, sorry, uh, way off topic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do a whole podcast on yellow cases. Yeah. Um, yes, I do own DVDs still. Shut up. Um, so, I mean, that being said, Wolf of Wall Street was the better movie. I think it was the more honest movie, too, because short, the big short just... It swung for the fences, and it was a pop fly. Think See, so? I don't. They're talking a nomination for Carell. And he deserves it. He absolutely deserves it. it again, uh, we were talking earlier about movies that are, aren't are directed well but have great performances. Yeah, yeah. Big short all the way. Yeah. I mean, even Brad Pitt in that movie. I, I'm kind. I'm really softening on Brad Pitt in terms of – because like, I was pretty, uh, pretty uh, cheerleader-y. <laughs> for him for a while because when he does movies like um i mean legends of the fall but when he does movies like 12 monkeys and mm-hmm. fight club and you're like this guy is going to be the greatest actor of all time to never win an oscar right um i've softened on him over the years because i mean he does stuff like mr and mrs smith yeah you know he's just yeah. just kind of you know he doesn't challenge himself anymore um but he was solid in in the big short but his was. his role was small yeah um, it was his, it wasn't his story. He was a part of a story. Right. Um, right. But that being said, um, Wolf of Wall Street was just more captivating. Short term. The uh, Short term. I keep wanting to say short term. Big 12, short. Not even close. The big short. Uh, I mean, it needed those scenes. And I, I like the style of cutting away to like Margot Robbie in the bathtub. Yeah. Like explaining things. I think that's a really interesting style. I like that style. The problem with it is that it was inconsistent throughout the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So along the way, it was just like, we're done with this style. Deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. When so. when you wanted more of it. Yeah. So. I could see that. Wow. We got really off topic. Circling back to Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Ten minutes later. Um, the thing I didn't like about Hugo. Uh, well, not the thing I didn't like about it. I, I just didn't like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we should. Um, uh, the thing that I. Sorry. Trying to decide how long this episode's going to be. Uh, we'll try to keep it under an hour. Um, I don't like it when movies come out that people think should win Best Picture, but there's a clear cut winner. So they're like, we're going to give it all the other awards. Yeah. Yeah. So when the artist was battling Hugo at the Oscars, they were cleaning house between the two awards. Yeah. Hugo was winning. All these awards, all these technical awards, like right. sound, editing, all that stuff. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, it wasn't the best at that at that award. They're giving that award to Hugo so that they can say Hugo is an award-winning movie. Right. But Hugo that year didn't deserve best editing. It didn't deserve best effects. But they knew that it wasn't going to win director or, or best picture. So they're like, well, we got to give it something. I hate that. Yeah. I really, really hate that. And honestly, maybe once, if, you know, this podcast reaches 100 episodes, we start getting really nitpicky and going back to, like, we're going to go to the 2012 best digital effects right, award right. category. No, but I think it's in the same vein of as um, giving makeup Oscars to, to actors, like with uh, Denzel. He should have won for the hurricane, but they give it to him for training day. Oh, I thought I, when you said makeup, I'm like, why are we giving makeup? No, no, not oh. makeup. As in, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Uh, you know, it, it's um, like, oh, yeah. you know, here's Denzel. Here's this Oscar. You know, he was great in Training Day. Don't get yeah. me wrong. 
but he was better in the Hurricane. Oh, absolutely he was. Uh, who, actually, let's flip to the Academy Award handbook. Did he give it to Tom Hanks that year? For Hurricane? No, for... Uh, Hold on, what year was Hurricane? Best actor. Was it early 2000s? Fill, fill some time. Um, <laughs> I think it was early 2000s. But, but yeah, they, they have these makeup Oscars, and they're like, well, we know you should have won it last year, but, you know, you didn't. And so we're going to try and make up for it this year, and we'll give you the award for whatever movie you were in. Okay, there. so, and this will we'll do a podcast on this one, too. Um, Javier Bardem, that was, no, it went back two years. Two years ago, they screwed his actor, Denzel Washington. Okay, so, ready for this? Yeah. All right, so the award year is 1999. The Best Actor nominees, Denzel Washington for The Hurricane, mm-hmm. which is you're your saying he got screwed out of. Yeah. Sean Penn for Sweet and Lowdown. I don't know what Sweet and Lowdown is. Yeah, me neither. How the hell was he nominated for that? Anyways. Uh, Richard Farnsworth for The Straight Story, which was a good movie. Russell Crowe for The Insider. Fantastic movie. And the one that ended up winning was Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. I don't agree with that. I, really, I, I would have given it. To, I would have given it to Denzel out of those five. See, I don't disagree that the Hurricane should have been an award-winning performance, but Kevin Spacey in American Beauty, the character of Lester Burnham, is fantastic. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying that I I feel that. Are you Denzel, playing the minority card? <laughs> I'm not. No, um, but I feel that Denzel was the better, had the better performance. There. It was a fantastic performance. I'm I'm actually torn between those two. I thought Kevin Spacey was friggin' brilliant in yeah. American Beauty. Denzel was brilliant as well in The Hurricane. Right. Now, jumping ahead to, as you said, the makeup year. Yeah. Um, so the year we go from 1999 to 2001. <clears throat> the winner was Denzel Washington for Training Day. Mm-hmm. That's your makeup award. Right. Here are the other nominees. Tom Wilkinson in the bedroom. Will Smith in Ali. Ali's the only movie I've ever fallen asleep at to in the theater. <laughs> it was bad. It was very Michael sad. Mann, right? Probably. Yeah, I think it's Michael Mann. Yeah. Uh, Sean Penn in I Am Sam. Okay. You know what I'm thinking? Yeah. It's Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Russell Crowe for A Beautiful Mind. Who do you give it to? I probably would have given it to Russell Crowe. Yeah. Yeah, I probably would have too. I mean, I I actually enjoy I Am Sam. I know a lot of people don't because it's too much Oscar bait. Yeah. But, yeah, it's definitely between those two. I mean, Russell Russell Crowe had just won it uh, the previous year for for Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, and it would have been two years in the row for him, which is fine. Tom Hanks Hanks did did it. And um, and I I think Gladiator won it for... Directing? I'm sorry, not Best Picture. Um, Ron Howard won for directing for Beautiful Mind, right? And did it win Best Picture that year as well? Beautiful, yes, it did. Okay, yep. So, so that's I think they just figured, well, you know, we're gonna give them these other awards, which is so crap because. But Training Day was not in. You know what? I don't know. I completely, I, I agree with you about about Training Day. By the way, I completely acknowledge that there are makeup awards like that. Um, not makeup like blush and rouge and yeah, right. shit like that. But, um, completely agree that they do that. Now, 
I also firmly believe that there are just some default winners that will always win and always get nominated despite making crap movies. Meryl Streep. Thank you. <laughs> um, how the hell was she nominated for Into the Woods? I don't know, man. That, that movie, was... That, I fell asleep with that movie. Yeah. It was not a good movie. There weren't any stand-up performances, and yet no. she still gets nominated. Now, no disrespect to Meryl Streep because she is, you know, arguably the greatest female actress of all time. Right. She's won more awards than anybody. Yeah. She beat out Katherine Hepburn for that title. Yeah. So, Katherine Hepburn... One of the all-time, if not the all-time great. Right. If it's not her, then you got to consider Meryl Streep. So I don't like the fact that just because she makes a movie, she automatically gets nominated. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what? Ed Norton's still one of my favorite actors of all time. He's not getting nominated for everything. Right. And nor should right. he be. But he's... Spacey as well. Yeah, Spacey as well. Who, I mean, He's not really doing movies anymore, but... Yeah. House of Cards is amazing, though, by the way. So. Oh, damn. Fantastic show. Season two was crap, but you have to sit through it to get to season three. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you're like, what just happened in season right, three? Right, right. Um, so, anyways, all right. So, we've, we're officially giving it, we're taking the 1998 Best Picture Oscar away from Shakespeare in Love and giving it to Saving Private Ryan. We are. We are. And I know we got off on a lot of other tangents here, but. Um, I think that's how it's going to go, though. Probably. It's a nice little web of movie yeah. know-how and whatnot. Yeah, I think so, and and it'll be interesting to see what happens this year with you know with the nominations because if if a if a blockbuster wins it, I think it'd be good. Well, I mean, who's we'll try to wrap this up in the next few minutes. I would like to try to keep it under an hour. Um, who's who would win if it not if not Mad Max? Um, the Revenant. The, the Revenant. Uh, you know, the Big Short's gonna be nominated. It'll be nominated. I don't think it has a snowball's chance in hell of winning. Probably though. not. Um, I'm trying to think what else was there. Anything out there that was Oscar bait? I saw a room with uh, with my wife, and that blew my mind. That was a fantastic movie. Which one? Room. Is that the one you said if you have a kid, you posted something about <laughs> hug your kid or something, right? We So my wife and I went and, and saw the movie Room. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Starting, not to be confused with The Room. No, yes. Very, very easy to confuse those in title only. <laughs> um, room stars Brie Larson. And if you don't know anything about the movie, don't read up on it. Kind of like The Room. Yeah. <laughs> just If you have a, a chance to see any movie called Room or The Room, just don't – just right. go watch it. Um, stars Brie Larson. Um, I went in not knowing a single thing about it. I saw the movie poster on the way in, and that was it. Okay. And I saw a review on the movie poster that said – something along the lines of like best depiction of a mother and child relationship. Okay. And I was like, uh, great. It's going to be like a melodrama or something. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, it was not. So, uh, definitely check out room. I, for me, if Mad Max doesn't win, it should go to room, but I think people have a hard on for injury to yeah. Revenant's probably going to go away with it. Maybe. And and it looks good. Don't get me wrong. You know, it does um, look fantastic. You know, but I, I obviously haven't seen the movie, so you know, we'll see what uh what happens. There's also the well I think it's coming out too late for Oscar consideration this year, but it's the one with uh, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. I don't know if I've seen anything for that. Uh I forget what it was called. It's directed by Shane Black, director of Iron Man Three. Well, um Shane it, Black did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is amazing. And the trailer looks really good. It looks really good. Um so I think they might have had a limited release a little while ago hmm. for Oscar consideration this year, but we'll see. But it comes out in January. Okay. 
All right. So uh, thanks for listening to the first unofficial official episode of The Snubbies. Yeah, and these will get better as we uh, will get some rapport going as we truck along here. And hopefully the sound quality was okay. We'll try to throw some egg crates up on the wall to kill any echo that might exist. Yeah, we'll get hustle and flow with it. I, I hate I uh, I hate Terrence Howard, but I love that movie. Love that movie. Great soundtrack. Uh, all right. So uh, once again, this is Evan. It's Isaac. And this was the Snubbies. Thanks a lot.